0: Matthew chapter 26 verses 26 through 29 it Says now as they were eating Jesus took the took bread and after blessing it broke it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body And he took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink of it all of you for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins I tell you I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new With you in my Father's kingdom. Now, Jesus has been eating this Passover meal each year with his disciples, but he's known what this meal was pointing to all along, something they really didn't yet. This meal was pointing to his coming death for their sins so that they could be forgiven. The bread was pointing to his body being broken, the cup was pointing to his blood being shed, and he was the Lamb of that Passover. So, what we're gonna do is we're gonna go back to the institution of the Passover. Go back to Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to take a look at what God's instructions were to Moses back when they were in Egypt. Go to Exodus chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7, and then we'll jump to verses 13 and 14. Exodus chapter 12. Look at verses 1 through 7. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. Jump down to verse 13. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord, Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Now, they're in the land of Egypt. They've been slaves. God has sent Moses to go tell Pharaoh, Let my people go, as you know. And Pharaoh says, Yeah, and then he changed his mind. Yeah, changes changed his mind. And God keeps sending these different plagues to show that he's the true God, and all these other gods they worship are no gods. And he's about to send the last one, the big one that's going to be the death angel that's going to kill the firstborn in all these families. And what happens is, is he tells Moses, he says, I want you guys to start your calendar all over again. At this point, it was around the fourth month in their civil year. But he says, I want you to start all over. It's a new month. I'm going to give you a religious calendar, if you will. And today's going to be the first day of the new year. On the 10th day of this month, I want you all to take a lamb and welcome it into your house. Kind of treat it as a pet, if you will. Examine it because it has to have no spot or blemish. And on the 14th at twilight, as you know, once it becomes twilight, it's the evening. And that becomes the next day. You're to kill it. And so they were to welcome the lamb on the 10th day of the month. And on the 15th, if you will, they were to kill the lamb. By the way, I don't know if you all know this or not, but Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the 10th day of the month of Nisan. When they were welcoming the lamb and they were saying, praise God and Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and waving the palm branches on that Palm Sunday. It was the 10th day of the month. And as you know, by the time they get to the twilight of the 14th into the 15th, that's the day he was crucified and he rose from the dead on the 17th. Go to John chapter 6. So this Passover meal, as you're turning to John chapter 6, has been all along pointing to what Jesus was going to do. But the disciples didn't understand this yet, and the Jews didn't fully grasp it yet, because as far as they knew, it was just a memorial about how God had protected them from the death angel when they took the blood of that lamb and applied it to the doorposts of their houses. Wherever the, la- the death angel saw the blood, it passed over them. That's why it's Passover, and they were protected. <clears throat> and so every year at that same time, they had to remember to eat this meal and commemorate what God had done. Little did they know it was pointing to a man who was going to come, who was also God, who would be the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, which Jesus talked about. And we're going to get to go to John chapter six. Look at verses 22 through 59 In John chapter six, verse 22. Jesus is speaking and he says this. He says, it says, on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples but that his disciples had gone away alone. Now other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Now when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. He had just fed the 5,000. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to Him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe all that the father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is that not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has sent the father. As the living Father sent me and as I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Now, for those of us here who have insight from God, we read this and we go, I understand that. But for those that don't have insight from God, they look at that and they say, this is crazy. What's he talking about? This is my flesh. And you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Do you remember back earlier? Go back to chapter six and look again at verse 28. Then they said to him, what must we be doing to do, be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Jesus has said over and over, if you come to me, if you believe in me, if you have faith in me, And what I want you to grasp is simply this. Unfortunately, some of us have been raised in denominations that taught when we take the Lord's Supper or call it communion, that when the priest waves his hand over it, it actually becomes the actual body and the actual blood of Christ, which is not what the scripture teaches. There are other denominations that teach that once you take it and it crosses your lips, then it becomes the body and the blood of Christ. And you're actually eating his real flesh and drinking his real blood. Again, not the case. This Passover meal that they'd been eating for hundreds of years now was the one they'd done every year at that time. And if you remember, Jesus in the upper room says to them, this bread is my body. By the way, was Jesus 100% whole at that time or were their parts missing? He was 100% whole. He hadn't been crucified yet. What he was saying was, this bread that you've been eating all these years has been pointing to what I'm about to do through my death for you. My body being broken. This cup that you've been drinking... This is a picture of the new covenant in my blood. How do we eat of him and drink of him? We don't eat of him and drink of him by taking the Lord's Supper together like we are going to be doing tonight. We eat of him and drink of him by believing in him. You believe in the one that is sent. We eat the the meal and we drink the cup because Jesus says to keep doing this in remembrance of him. But don't think that as I drink this and as I eat this, all of a sudden you're going to have special powers or all of a sudden because you ate the bread and you drank the cup, you're all of a sudden going to be saved now. You're saved by your faith alone in Jesus Christ. The eating and the drinking is a remembrance of what he's done. It's a picture of what is to come and we'll get to that tonight. But I want you to understand that Jesus has been pointing, the scripture has been pointing to Jesus all along in many different ways. And when this Passover was instituted and they began to eat it every year and kill that lamb, that spotless lamb, it was all pointing to Jesus. So on that night that it was time to eat the Passover meal, Jesus stands up and he says, guys, let me let me get you in on something. This bread that you've been eating. This bread is my body. This blood, this cup is my blood. Go to John chapter 1. Look at verses 29 through, and then verses 35 and 36. John 1 29. This is John the Baptist. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jump down to verses 35 and 36. The next day, again, John, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Now, let me just say this to you. All through the scriptures, we see pictures of Jesus. It's all pointing to Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we have uh, them referring back to the story in the wilderness where the nation of Israel was in the wilderness and they were thirsty. And God had Moses strike a rock and water flowed from the rock. You remember that? Again, was a picture of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10 actually tells us that they all drink from the same spiritual rock in the wilderness, which is Christ. The water, Jesus himself shows us, is the Holy Spirit and salvation. If you remember in John chapter 7, Jesus says, If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and out of him will flow rivers of living water. The scripture says, By this he meant the Holy Spirit, which those who believed in him were later to receive. The woman at the well, Jesus says to her, "Would Give me something to drink. He goes, she goes, you. You don't have, and, and uh, wait a minute, he goes, Give me something to drink. She says, Well, I mean, I'm surprised that you're even talking to me. I'm a Samaritan and a woman, and you Jews don't have anything to do with us. She said, If you had asked me, I would have given you living water. And she says, You, you don't even have anything to draw well with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And again, Jesus was pointing to himself, faith in him, all through the scriptures. Oh, by the way, go back to that rock in the wilderness. In order for the Holy Spirit to be given, in order for salvation to be given, the rock had to be what? It had to be struck as he was crucified. Later on, in another instance, they're thirsty again in the wilderness and God takes that rock and he has another, it's another rock. And he tells Moses to do what this time? Speak to the rock. You know why? Because once the rock's been struck, you don't have to strike the rock anymore. He's been crucified once for all. By the way, for those of you that think that when you take the Lord's Supper or communion, that it's actually becoming the body of Christ and actually becoming his blood, you're crucifying him again. He's already been crucified. He doesn't have to be crucified anymore. It's been done once for all. It's just a picture. And by eating it, you're saying, I believe, I receive, I believe. Listen closely. Again, the rock's already been struck. In order to be saved now, all we have to do is what? Speak to the rock. Ask him for salvation. I could go on and on, all through the scriptures, over and over and over. All of these stories, all these episodes, they're all pointing to Jesus. Jesus has been saying this bread and wine that you've been eating all these years, this lamb that you've been eating, it has been pointing to me and what I'm about to do that you are to act on by faith. Believe in me. Believe in my blood that will protect you. From the coming judgment. So, what we're gonna do is, I'm gonna take you through just a few, and when I say a few, don't get excited, it's gonna be a lot. <laughs> but I'm gonna take you through just a few scriptures that talk about the blood of Jesus. Go to Romans chapter 5. Look at verses 6 through 11. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Jesus, the scripture here says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one person will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by what? By his blood. Much more shall we be saved by Him." From the wrath of God, for if while we were his enemies we we're reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, well, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we now have received reconciliation. Look again at verse nine. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. Listen to me, folks. You have been justified by what? By his blood, not by anything you've done, not by how good you've been. And allow that truth to sink in because I'm like you. We all fall back into these patterns of thinking, especially as Christians, even though we know we're saved, we still sin. Nobody says he doesn't. The Bible says he lies and the truth's not in him. We have a tendency to think that there are things we need to do to make it right with God. You were justified by his blood. You've been made righteous by his blood. It's nothing you do. It's all been done by him. And all he wants us to do is to believe it and receive it by faith and just act like it's true. You're justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through what? His blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Now, some of you probably struggle with this, and I know a lot of people do, and I myself for a while wrestled with this as well. It was interesting to me how when I got saved in 1973, when I believed that what Jesus did covered my, me, that he lived this in this life that I could not, that he died on that cross in my place and that he rose from the dead, that if I would believe in him, he would give me eternal life. At eight years old in 1973, I believed that and I gave Jesus my life and I was saved. And I believed that the blood of Jesus that was shed for me 2000 years ago covered my sins. But then I sinned after that. Did anybody else sin after that? Did anybody else struggle like I did with believing that what Jesus did covered my previous sins? But what about the ones I do tomorrow, in the next day, in the next day? You ever struggle with that? Here's, here's something that God helped me with years ago, and I want to help, hopefully be used of God to help you. This one preacher came home, true story, came home one day, and his wife actually shared this concern. His wife said to him, she said, you know what? It's weird. I believe that Jesus' blood covers all the sins that I gave to him on that day when I got saved. But I've sinned since, and I'm struggling with believing that his blood covers those. And as her husband, the preacher, said to her, let me ask you a question. When Jesus died on the cross, how many of your sins were in the future? All of them. His blood covers all of them. Not just the ones you gave to him on the day you got saved. And then you got to do stuff to make up for the other stuff. His blood covers all of them. He died for you before you were even born. And the Bible actually says that those of us who believe because of God's sovereignty and his knowledge have been written in his book. Before the foundation of the world. So, folks. Even though you and I still sin and we still struggle with sin. Don't think for a second that you've got to do things to make it right. You've been justified by his blood. And that's all you need. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verses 13 through 22. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. It's talking about Jews and Gentiles here. He says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, the Gentiles, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And he might reconcile us both, Jew and Gentile, to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Look again at verse 13. Verse 13. But now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. Folks, do you remember how many times you read in the scriptures how God says, And when I see the blood, I will pass over. And when I see the blood, you'll be spared. When I see the blood, you'll be forgiven. That's how he sees you and I now. We're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we've got to get away from the fleshly desire to feel like we have to earn some of it or get some credit in our salvation or credit in our sanctification or credit in our redemption of any kind. It is done by the blood of Jesus Christ and our attitude should just simply be worship in response. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Look at verses 15 through 20. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. He, God. for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, all was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Again, everything was not only made by him; everything was made what? For him. But he also knew that everything he made was going to be separated from him because of his holiness and their sinfulness and the rebellion. But his plan was, before the foundation of the world, to reconcile everyone and everything to himself. How? Through his blood. Go to Hebrews chapter 13. Verses 8 through 16, and then 20 through 21. Hebrews 13, verses 8 through 16, and then 20 and 21. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And thank God for that. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for with such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Jump down to verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who, again, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Again, we've been redeemed and justified through the blood of Christ. The Bible also says we're sanctified through the blood of Christ. Let me ask you a question. Some deep theological questions here real quick. In order to be justified, which means declared righteous, what what did you have to do? To believe. To by faith believe that what Jesus did gives you life if you'll just receive it by faith. Who's the one who justifies? Jesus. The Bible also talks about a sanctification process where even though we're declared righteous, not all of us look like Jesus just yet, do we? We're being conformed into his image and there are days we look better than others, but we're in that process. That's sanctification. Whose job is sanctification? His. What do you have to do in order to be sanctified? Believe. And receive it. Don't think there are things you have to do in order to be made right with God. That's why back in the Book of Micah we looked at chapter six, verses six through eight, where the nation of Israel has been judged by God and declared guilty. And they come to Him and they say, "What shall we come with you before? And what what shall we bring before you? Do you want us to bring rivers of oil and ten thousand rams and all this stuff? And do you want us to sacrifice our firstborn, the fruit of our body, for the sin of our soul?" And if you remember Micah chapter six, verse eight, He's shown you, O oh man what he desires and what he's requiring of you, put to do justly, love mercy, and just walk humbly with your God. Just, just walk with me, trust me, and I will do through you what I want to do. Folks, as we take the Lord's Supper today, some of us are going to be celebrating the fact that he saved us. And many others, hopefully, are going to be celebrating the fact that this sanctification process that we're in the middle of, he's the one who's going to do it. He who began the good work in you will finish it. It's not you have to trust him because you can't get saved, but now you have to do your part. You need to continually lay your flesh on the altar, which the Bible says is our spiritual act of worship, our reasonable service, and acknowledge that by the blood of Jesus I've been saved, and by the blood of Jesus I am being sanctified. By his blood I'm being sanctified, not by anything I did. Go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 through chapter 2 verse 2. Sorry. Yeah, first John, yeah. we'll go to 1 John chapter 1 starting in verse 5 and we'll go over to chapter 2 verse 2. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. By the way, he may have tried to tell you Jesus only died for the ones that are going to be saved. That's not what the Bible teaches. He's a sacrifice for our sins and not only that, the sins of the whole world. Again, as we've been talking about, some of us have an easier time acknowledging that we can be saved because of the blood of Jesus. Because we know there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. But your flesh wants credit. Your flesh wants to earn part of it. That's why in Matthew, Jesus talked about those who are going to be coming to him on that day and saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? And didn't we do that? Didn't we preach in your name? And didn't we cast out demons in your name? And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. Folks if you fault or default in your thinking to something you have done that should get some points before God, you don't get it. Or if there's something that maybe you can do to make it right to him, you still don't get it. That's why David, when he sinned with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, he writes and he says, you need to create in me a clean heart. You need to wash me. He said, you don't desire sacrifice or I'd bring it. The sacrifice you desire is a broken heart contrite spirit that you won't despise i've been a sinner since the day i was conceived that's just the problem i have being a human but you'll declare me righteous and then he says after you wash me clean then i'll tell others about you not i'll go tell others about you lord so that you can see me as good no folks you have been justified by the blood of christ you have been and are being sanctified by the blood of christ acknowledge it it's not you it's him Go to Revelation chapter 1. Look at verses 4 through 8. Revelation chapter 1 verse 4. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on the earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins. How? By his blood. And he's made us a kingdom. Priests. To his God and father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, Amen. Look at verse eight. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He's not only justified us by His blood; He's not only sanctifying by us by His blood. He's now what else? He also has He done? He's freed us from our sins, the penalty of sin, the power of sin. And one day the presence of sin, when we're with him in in, in heaven, it's been done already, how? By the blood of Jesus Christ. Folks, that's why we need to renew our minds on a daily basis. That's why our spiritual act of worship is to daily spend some time in prayer, in his word, realigning our hearts and our minds with the truth of his word. Because every day, your and my flesh gets up and wants to get some more credit. You want to earn part of it. You want to feel good because you've had a pretty good week. If you've had a good week, it's the grace of God, and he did it, not you. Go to Matthew chapter 26 and look at verse 29. Matthew 26, verse 29. Jesus, as he was eating that meal with them, He says, I would tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. He was eating it with them that night. But he says, this is the last time I'm going to eat it with you guys until we drink it new in the kingdom. Jesus said that he's coming again and that we will eat and drink this meal again with him in praise and thanksgiving and worship in the millennial kingdom. But between now and then, we are to continue to eat this meal as a reminder of his body and his blood for our sins. And as you're about to see, when we do eat it and drink it, we're proclaiming his death until he comes. Now, remember, the Passover meal was for the Jews. And it was to remember how the death angel passed over them when they saw the blood. But it had been pointing to Jesus all along. They were just to remember how God spared them and his provision through that lamb, they were spared by the blood of that lamb. That's what they had to remember. The blood of that lamb is what protected us from the death angel. The blood of that lamb is what protected them. And we're to remember that and remember that and remember that. And then on the scene comes this Messiah that they've been waiting for. John the Baptist says, that's the one. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. That's the one. And he's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus comes on the scene himself and said, I am the living water. I am the bread of life. I am the rock, if you will. I am the lamb. And if you believe in me, if you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you will have eternal life. Oh, there were some that were saying, does he really want us to actually chew on him and gnaw on his bones? A little? What are we talking? That doesn't sound. But others who did understand, they believed. Now, Jesus in the upper room says, this Passover meal... It's been pointing to me all along, and now, as often as you eat it, I want you to keep eating it, not in remembrance of the Passover lamb, per se, that got him out of Egypt, but the Passover lamb that has spared you of the death angel and freed you from your sins. And you say, Jim, I didn't see here in Matthew where Jesus said that as often as you eat it, you proclaim his death. Well, I'm going to take you to a passage of scripture that you know real well, but I'm going to show you something about it that may surprise you. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. When we get to 1 Corinthians 11, we come across Paul's writings about the Passover, what we call the Lord's Supper. And we're looking at verses 23 through 26. I'm going to kind of set the stage for you in a second here as to what's going on. But I want to share something with you about this passage in 1 Corinthians 11 that you might not know. This is the actual first recording of Jesus eating the Passover meal with his disciples in the upper room. It wasn't first recorded in Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. Actually, the earliest book written of all those books, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and 1 Corinthians was 1 Corinthians. So in their hands, written recording of Jesus saying, this is my body and this is my blood, the first time that it was written down for the church was in 1 Corinthians. Isn't that interesting? That's why Paul says it the way he says it. See, because prior to this, there is no book of Matthew. Prior to when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 11, there was no book of Mark. There was no book of Luke and John. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord... What I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. By the way, that's plural in the Greek. Y'all do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Paul actually wrote the first written recording we have of Jesus saying, this is my body, this is my blood. Now, Matthew and Mark and Luke and all those guys wrote it later on as they shared their accounts. But the first recording we have, that's why Paul says, what I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. Not something that I read in the Gospel of Matthew. But listen to what Jesus said. On the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let me ask you a question. How often are then... Are we supposed to take the the Lord's Supper? I mean, we knew the Passover meal was every year on that same time. But the Lord's Supper, now, how often are we to take it? As often as we take it. You can take it every day if you want to. It's a remembrance of Him. There's no special place to do it or a special thing. It's a remembrance of what He's done. That's what it's about. And for years, we've turned it into this super spiritual, holy thing, separate thing thing. To the point that you only can take it and only the deacon can pass it out or only the preacher can lead in it and all this stuff. Jesus said, look, as often as you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. And oh, by the way, when you eat it and when you drink it, you're proclaiming my death. When? Until I come. In other words, we're not just eating it tonight together to say this is his body, which was broken for me. And this is his blood, which was shed for me. We're not also saying that he, we've been justified by his blood and we've been being sanctified by his blood. We're also saying we're also going to eat it again one day with Jesus when he comes. And boy, don't you think of all the times we've taken the Lord's Supper, that'll probably be the best one. That's going to be where the best one. But let me just chase something real quick before we close up here tonight. In this passage, if you were to keep reading in verse 27, Paul says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For if anyone eats and drinks without discerning the body, he eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we wouldn't be judged. For when we're judged by the Lord, we're disciplined so we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone's hungry, let him eat at home. So when you come together, it won't be for judgment about other things. I will give directions when I come. Let me set the stage. This passage and the very next verses have been used... To scare the pants off of people when they come to the Lord's Supper, which should be a celebration meal where everybody has been, if you were raised like I was, buddy, you better sit there and you better pray and you better think about Jesus' body and you better think about his blood and you better take it seriously. You ever heard that kind of preaching? But the context of this passage is not saying that. Actually, if you were to go back, and I'm not going to take the time to do it, but Paul starts off this whole section by saying, look, I'm not going to praise you about your Lord's Supper meals. Because actually, if what I've heard is you're not doing it right. Some of you aren't waiting for each other. You're all doing it individually. Some of you are getting drunk. And the, the Lord's Supper wasn't just a time where they took the bread and the cup. It became a koinonia meal, a fellowship meal, where they would come together and they'd bring their food. And they'd have a potluck and they would eat together and celebrate that he died for, listen, us. Remember how I pointed out it was plural? This is my body broken for y'all. Paul says, listen closely. When you take the Lord's Supper, which is a meal to remember how he died for us. And you turned it into an individual thing. You missed the whole point of the Lord's Supper. See, all of us have been taught to sit there solemnly and quietly in our pew. We hold the bread and we hold the cup and we all shut everybody else out. And we think about what Jesus did for me. Right. Isn't that what we were taught? But that's not what the passage is saying. Look closely again at verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, listen closely, will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Now let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning what? Does he say body and the blood? He says only the body. And in the context here, the body is not... Jesus actual physical body. But it's the body. In the whole context, if you go back to first Corinthians, the whole letter, he's dealing with divisions in the body. The church in Corinth had some real problems with divisions in the body. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. I follow Christ. He then goes on. and He talks about how he gave us the spirit and the gifts of the spirit. So there'd be no division in the body. He's been dealing with sin in the church. And one of the ways that the sin of division in the church had manifested itself was that when it was time for them to have their koinonia meal and the Lord's Supper, they weren't even eating it together, which was the whole point of the meal. We're actually, when we're to take it tonight, keep our head up and our eyes open and look around and say, I thank God that he died for me as well as he died for me. And because of that, Amber and I are now brother and sister in Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a meal to celebrate how he not only died for me, he died for us And we are to consider the body when we take the Lord's Supper. And if you have issues with somebody in the body, what does the Bible say you're to do? You go and get it reconciled. Because Jesus didn't just die for you. He died for all of us. Oh, he didn't just die for the sins of the church. He died for the sins of the whole world. And they'll know we're his disciples by our love for one another. So tonight... What we're going to do is we're going to take the Lord's Supper together and we're going to celebrate the fact that He, through His blood, has declared us righteous. We're justified. He, by His blood, is sanctifying us. And He, by His blood, has set us free from our sins. And He, by His blood, removed the hostility between Jew and Gentile and the hostility amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. My prayer is that tonight, as we take this together, we'll celebrate all that this represents. Now, for years, people have always warned, if you're not a believer, you better not drink it. I'm not so concerned about that. Stick with me. Because I came to realize Judas ate the meal with them that night. Did he not? Judas ate it the year before. Did he not? Judas ate it the year before that. Did he not? The meal is representative of our faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't save you. It doesn't send you to hell. My prayer is, though, that everyone that's here tonight does know him and that it represents the fact that he died for you and that he's coming again, and you too are going to eat it with him in the kingdom. Go ahead and take your bread that's with you. If you're with us online, I hope you have your stuff. We've got juice and crackers here. If you haven't had a chance to run over and grab some, Alan, they're right over there on the table there. I'll wait for everybody to go ahead and get some so you can join with us. And I want you to keep your head up. I want you to keep your eyes open. I want you to look around the room. That's why I told you at the beginning of this that I've been kind of excited about taking the Lord's Supper together because many of us have been together for many, many years taking this, doing these Bible studies together. And it hit me. We who are family in Christ that we've grown to love each other. That's why I love on Tuesdays and Wednesdays the buzz that's in the room of all the people from all these different churches that are here gathering together to worship. By the way, I don't know if you know it or not, but I found out from my daughter today who's doing all this online stuff. Every week in Bible study, we've been averaging 400 people around the country being a part of these Bible studies. The body of Christ and the family of Christ is a wonderful thing. And if you're with us online, we hope you have that bread in your hand in the cup because you, too, my brother and my sister, are part of us. And I hope to meet all of you one day. But when we take this bread, remember on the night that Jesus took it, he said, this has all along pointed to me and my body being broken for you. Tonight, as we eat it, thank him for the fact that you don't have to do anything to be saved except believe. Father, thank you for the fact that this, this bread represents the fact that your body was broken for us. We thank you for that. And we thank you for the fact that you knew full well why you were going to be born. We celebrate your birth at this time of year. We celebrate Christmas. And we love to sing the songs about how you came as a baby. But you came to die. But you also had to go through that struggle of suffering. By being tempted in every way yet without sin. And You went through all that for us. And then... They had the gall to go and to beat you and to whip you and to break your body. But it was for us. Through your wounds, we've been healed. And we tonight don't eat this bread thinking that it has any magical powers. We're declared righteous because of what you've already done on the cross. And we thank you for that tonight. And we look forward to the day in which we get to eat it face to face with you in the kingdom May that be soon. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We also have a cup. And as you know, the cup represents his blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is for the forgiveness of sins. We've been justified by his blood. We're being sanctified simply by his blood. We've been freed from our sins by his blood. He's removed the wall of hostility by his blood. And tonight, we just thank the Lord for the fact that as we drink this cup, there's no magical powers. But it's our way of saying, just like our baptism doesn't save us, but it's our way of saying the old me has gone. I'm a new person because of Jesus Christ. We tonight, like our baptism, publicly identify with Jesus Christ. I'm glad that this is online. I'm glad this is going to be on YouTube and other places because I want people to see. And I want people to know I am saved because of Jesus Christ and his blood. And one day he's coming back to this earth, folks, and we're all going to eat it with him. And on that point, they'll all go, I guess you were right. <laughs> but I hope you trust him on of your, of your own will before then. So you can celebrate with us on that day. Father, I thank you for the fact that we're going to get it to eat with you, not just for one Lord's Supper, but for many. For a thousand years, at least, and then into eternity in the kingdom. Your word even said that that Passover meal was to be eaten As a remembrance forever, not until you came, but to continue and have it have meaning and purpose. And Lord, I thank you that it's not some ritual that we have to do once a month or we're in trouble or every quarter as some churches make it in their bylaws. Father, thank you that we're told as often as we do it, we're to do it in remembrance of you. And I thank you that we can do it tonight with grape juice and saltine crackers (laughs) to remember That it was your body that was broken for us and your blood that has washed us clean. And I thank you and I thank you and I praise you. And we, as we drink this cup tonight, say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We want you to celebrate. You look forward to the day when you're going to drink it anew with us in the kingdom. We look forward to you are coming for us and we praise you for it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you. We'll see you next year. Thanks for coming.